live from Tel Aviv, two nice Jewish boys. Hi, I'm Eitan Weinstein. And I'm Noor Menninger. When people talk to journalists, they tend to be extra careful as to what comes out of their mouths. It takes a whole new level of journalism to penetrate into the depths of the soul of a person. You have to smoothen your way in, create intimacy, have a drink or two together, and then, and only then, maybe you'll get a glimpse into what someone really thinks. Tuvia Tenenbaum has made this practice an art. Tuvia was born as a Haredi in Israel, but eventually moved to the States, where he founded the Jewish Theater of New York, which is currently the only English-speaking Jewish theater in the Big Apple. He wrote 16 plays for that theater. As a columnist, Tuvia's essays were published in the most highly esteemed papers out there, including a column in De Zeit, Germany's leading newspaper. In recent years, Tenenbaum has devoted his time to write books. His very unique genre is a non-fiction, journalistic, humoristic style of books, which describe the journeys that Tuvia embarks on. I Sleep in Hitler's Room, his debut book, depicts his journey throughout Germany, talking to Germans, sometimes pretending to be a German himself, hiding his Jewish identity. In the book Catch the Jew, Tuvia pretends yet again he's a German journalist, thus infiltrating the highest ranks of the Palestinian regime and the territories to find out what the Palestinians really think about Israel and the Jews. His third book, The Lies They Tell, describe a painful journey throughout the United States when Tuvia goes to places in America so deprived of government or God that no one knew they still exist. Tuvia's upcoming book will unfold his adventures at the refugee camps in Europe. We, 2NJB, are thrilled to have Tuvia Tenenbaum with us today. This podcast is made in cooperation with the Jewish Journal, www.jewishjournal.com. Also in cooperation with Secret Tel Aviv, Israel's largest online social network community in English. Just look for the group on Facebook or visit them at secrettelaviv.com. Subscribe to Two Nice Jewish Boys on iTunes. And if you like the podcast, don't forget to rate us. And of course, we want to hear your feedback. So let us know what you think in the comments or send us a message on Facebook. Hi, Tuvia. How are you? Hi. Thank you for Very coming. Very nice to be with you. And I'm thrilled to be with you and with your listeners. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Or to be more politically correct today, hello, everybody. <laughs> hello, everybody, you know, yes. You're not allowed to say anymore, ladies and gentlemen. Because ladies and gents. Because it's, yeah, it's, no, it's, it's not it's politically not, correct yeah. anymore. It's no People of all genders. Yeah, because you have to say you have to include a transgender. So, hello. But you can say hello, ladies and gents, and transgender. <laughs> LGBTQIA. LGBTQIA. And asexuals. Yes. yes, the whole Good day spectrum. for you. Hello to everyone. Good day to you. Hello, everyone. <laughs> what a way to start. <laughs> that's that's why I politically correct. I wanted to ask you a question. Yes, please. my man. Would you say your books are more funny or more sad? I think it's a combination. I mean, for me, this is the way I write. So, but this is what, uh, so I cannot tell it's funny or sad or whatever. This is the way I write. And, and I put out there you know what i see it's i believe like in new york you have um uh, how do you call it uh, um if you see it you know if you see if you see something say something and i believe if you see something you write something uh-huh you know so, so everything you write in your books is 100 percent everything accurate. everything must be 100 percent accurate my, ma- my main publisher, blah, 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 why am I talking like this? My main publisher, which is a German publishing company called Surkam, one of the most elitist, the most elite, I guess, I should say, of German publishing, is, is a big company. And they have good, uh, 
lawyers attached to it, and everything has to be proved. Meaning, uh-huh. because if anything is not proved, this is a non-fiction, this is quotes from people, interviews with people, and if anything is not correct, those people will sue. Not only that, I mean, a lot of times people want to sue anyway, you know, because yeah. they regret what they said, you know, but because we have it all there in audio and video, uh-huh. then we can publish it. That's otherwise, a very German because approach. Other, because, no, because you have to understand, otherwise people would sue. I mean, yeah. the way I, I do these books, you know, together with my wife, Izzy, and we take with us also uh, video people, come, you know, uh, sound people, whatever. We, we come with a call. Everything, nothing is candid camera. Mm-hmm. Everything must be in the open and is in the open. And it's just a way you have to know how to get the inside of the people out. I mean, this is the trick, so yes. to speak. It's not a trick, but this is the, this is the, the job of the journalist, you know. And but to make the interviewee lose, you know, what I'm saying feel comfortable and not thinking, oh God, what's going to happen if I say X Y Z, and then they love me because I am the fat German, you know, <laughs> or whatever <laughs> it is, you know, you know, whatever it is, you uh, are or because my day. glasses, because I don't know why, maybe because it's pink glasses, I don't know why. It you opens know. them up. It opens them up. So my job is first of all to open them up uh-huh. to get to know exactly what you think. Now after they said what you said, you know, and then it comes out. Many of them, of course, regret it because many people say horrible things, you know, especially people in high positions. Uh, they say they want to kill Jews or whatever they say. You know, like people said to you, say they want to people kill say Jews. everything, you know. But and now, if I didn't have it covered, how could I go along? Mm-hmm. I couldn't move. You know, they would sue. For example, the top investigator of Salem, you know, an Israeli Bet-Selem, left, yeah. uh-huh. you know, left-wing uh, NGO. NGO you know, said to me, as the camera was rolling, he said that he does not believe that the Holocaust ever happened. He said, this is a lie, a blatant lie. Now, B'Tselem doesn't like it, and B'Tselem denied it. And B'Tselem could, in a second, in an instance, just go and sue us. Yeah. You have but footage. guess what? I have the footage. So why it's don't you either. publicize the footage? Do you pu- is it public? Well, we, did, we did a footage. Of, for example, this one, you know, when, when it came out... B'Tselem said it's not true, it's fake. You know, our top investigator will never say something. That's like part that. of your book, Catch the Jew. It's part of the book, Catch the Jew. It came after the book came out. You mm-hmm. know? And then it was on Israeli TV. They said the Israeli TV edited it. It's not true. And then what did I do? I put it out on Facebook. <laughs> the raw material. Yeah. And then B'Tselem had no choice but to admit that this is and true. They, they must have let him go. Who was this? The, they uh, let him go. Yeah. But what's interesting... And I said to B'Tselem, I don't care. it's not about him. He's a nice guy. He's an Arab, he's a Palestinian. He doesn't like Jews, so let him have his opinion. Yeah. The, the problem is with his report. His reports, he has a lot of reports. Ah. You know, when, mm-hmm. when he tries to document the IDF, the Israeli Defense Forces, and, and the Israeli government as a Nazi government. Yeah. I say, t- I mean, this guy is obviously unreliable. Yeah. I mean, this guy, you know, These are reports masquerading as a... As, as, as a Honest researcher, you know, uh-huh. says that the Holocaust did not happen, never happened. So yeah. take the reports out. You know, I mean, it's like, no, they wouldn't. So it shows you what the B'Tselem is about. But so this you, is an example. You or the daughter of Itzhak Rabin said to Haaretz in an interview that I never interviewed her. It's all a lie. That you didn't interview yeah, her. Yeah, because it's in the book. It's in the book, no, yeah. So what did I do? You published it. I put it in YouTube. 
So you have <laughs> video footage to back everything. That you, you must have footage to back everything because otherwise people would sue and people would go to the media and say it never happened. Wow. You know, you must have it. What did the daughter of Rabin say to you that was such a big deal that she wanted to <sighs> deny it? Nothing particular, but she talked like a little bit of an idiot. Okay. <laughs> you know, there was no, nothing. And I made fun of her, you know, it's like... You know, it's like yeah. minor details, you know, yeah. and she wanted to wash her hands off it. Also, you know? people uh, but there are, things, are you know, portrayed as fra- uh, suckers when they are published in the book and they fail for Tuvia's tricks. Whatever. I mean, it's like, look, in, 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 in that book, in Catch the Jew, for example, I mean, you have a portrait of, of, of the Palestinians, for example. I mean, Jibril Rajub. Jibril Rajub is the master spy of Palestine, you can call him. I mean, mm-hmm. he is in charge of prevent, uh, preventive security of, of the whole One area. One of the highest ranks. He's the highest ranks, you know. And he, and he took me, and we became very, very good friends. They all thought you were a German, we became, we became, right? Yeah, what? German journalist, which I am. But, yeah, but they but don't know you're Israeli. I didn't tell. I, no, I didn't. No, they knew nothing about Israeli past or Israeli passport or that they said. So you had already come out Jewish. with two books before no, this. But, but the point, you know, one. But the point is, you know, they didn't know. He trusted me, and we became such good friends. We are like buddies. We all ate together. We walked together. We, we played together. We are like. It's like I was in his house. Like, like, like you know, like we are like everything. I mean, it's like you'd go out. You know, you'd go out. They say. Toby, this is what he called me. Toby, you would like to go. And then he changed my name. One day he changed my name. He called me, he said to me, from this day on, your name is no longer Toby. From this day on, your name is Abu Ali. <laughs> and everybody needs, like, in the Guardia, everybody is, like, in security apparatus, you know, I mean, in the security, the, the, the guards and all that. Uh-huh. So you're so excited, and they hugged me. And he said, Toby, you know what Abu Ali means? In literal Arabic, it means the father of Ali. But in... Lit- not in literally, in, in really spiritual, whatever literary meaning of it is the, the, the respected, the courageous, mm-hmm. the, the, the good. So, I bec- and so he really thought so highly of you. Of very highly. So what the, are you only one, the only one who got from the Palestinians the name Abu Ali, there was another white man who got the name Abu Ali. Guess mm-hmm. who he was it? Another white man that the Palestinian bestowed on him the title Abu Ali. Who? I don't know. Guess. Guess. We don't. We have Eitan, Nahor, guess something. It's Hak Rabin. <laughs> oh, God, no way. I don't know. Oh, far, far from that. Adolf Hitler. Ah, ah, so wow. I, bec- I became like as respected oh, wow. as Adolf Hitler. Like, but you oh, know, this, 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 is so this, this is This is the accomplishment. This you. is respect. This is like, it's like, I have achieved my golden life. <laughs> <laughs> I have become the success Adolf. Adolf Hitler. Been described by the same words. But then what are you doing in literature? You could have been a spy, you know? I could, but it's, it's, it's better like this way. <laughs> I, can, I can bring it out. If yeah. you're a spy, you can never talk about it. That's true. You're no. like the modern Ellie Cohen. I don't but understand like how the, they didn't know who you were, though. If a book had come out, they didn't do their research, or you, no. just, you just weren't no, so out not there stupid. as much? They're not, they're not stupid. They could take my, my picture of me, could take a picture, Your facial put recognition. It in Google, and put it in Google. But, but you have to understand the, the Palestinian culture. If I and you meet somewhere, and I like you. I trust you. Then I know everything about you. I don't need Google. I don't need Facebook. I don't need any Instagram. I don't need all these things. You see into his, his soul. I've seen to your soul. And I know better. And do you have any qualms, I wonder, when you're doing this? You know, like Noel mentioned, you could have been a spy. 
Because on a day-to-day basis, you have to maintain a certain level of a lie. You know, you're standing in but front you know of this what? person. But you know what? It's not a real lie yeah. because my name is Tuvia. Yeah. In German, that's Tobias. The diminutive yeah. is Toby. You look yeah. German. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> and but as far as your purposes, do you do you tell them that? Do you talk about it? I or tell them you, I'm a journalist. Is it all white I lies? I tell them I'm a journalist. I okay. tell them I've come to, from Germany, which is true. So it's more just not giving I the just, whole truth. I just it's not, you know what, this is what Israelis always ask me, or the Jews yeah. in America ask me, or some others like that. And, and, and I say, what, have you, what did you expect? What would, do you expect from me? To go and say, Eitan, yeah. my name is Toby, <laughs> and I am a Jew. No, May I record you? I mean, it's like, what, why don't we ask this question about journalists from BBC or from the New York Times? No, no, why no. don't we demand that when you interview somebody, don't he or she didn't interview, my name is John Smith, I'm a Christian or I'm an atheist. We don't ask them to say, why should I divulge where I come from? Mm, I seriously. I mean, why should I say I'm a Jew? I mean, it's, it's, like, it's like a stupid thing. It's like, can I have a... Uh, it's like going to a kiosk or going to a, to, to, to a restaurant and saying, my name is Tuvia, I'm a Jew, can I sit here? I mean, it's like, why should I say I'm a Jew? Yeah, okay, no, not that. But so I'm not have, lying. I'm just ever, not telling it. Why yeah. should I be telling it? You know? Are you ever, do you ever have to say, I don't know. Um, sometimes, sometimes, like for the upcoming book, for example, yeah. the Hello Refugees, that's the yeah. way it's called in English. Hello Refugees. Hello Refugees, you know, Hello, comma, Refugees, exclamation point. Uh-huh. You know, this is the new book, and, and it's about the refugee issue, which is the... Issue number one in many places, especially Europe, uh-huh. and it's also an issue here, of course, in Israel. And this is a book about finding out who are the refugees, mm-hmm. how do they live once they have arrived in Europe, mainly in Germany, because Germany has accepted most of the refugees. Mm-hmm. I mean, the biggest number of the refugees Germany accepted, over a million, well over a million. Almost close to two million by now. Yeah, one and million in the first year, another million yeah, exactly. this year. Not, not this, no. Plus minus. Plus no, it's like a few hundred thousand before, a million in between, and then another few hundred thousands. So by the end of the day, it's about you know you're talking about close to two million, but especially it was 2015 leading to 2016, and I'm going to the camps. Where, by the way? In Germany. In Germany. In Germany, okay. going to the camps of Germany, you know, the refugee camps in Germany. Finding out how they live, uh-huh. and now you are here. How do you feel? Are you happy that you arrived here? And who are you? That's the question. And are know. they happy? And uh, the, the the problem is the problem was, and it still is. I mean, of course, that the refugee camps are close to the media. It's off limits to the media. It's off limits to anybody except the refugees themselves. There are guards. There is security at, at the front. Why? Know, because you don't want anybody to go in. Why? We'll, we'll find out. That's what I want to know. And especially not, not media. The only way the media can come in if you arrange it and it takes like a month or two, and then they will allow you with an official, you know, attending to see inside, which means the official will guide you. I don't want any official to guide me. So uh-huh. what did you do? So what do you do? How do you do? That's a very good question. So we came, my wife and I, and then we had a soundman and we had a, a videographer. We were younger than us. And we came to a refugee camp, waited for some of the Arabs, not the Afghanis, but the Arabs, to come uh, to be, you know, to find some of them out down down there or near it, walking in or out because they are allowed to walk in and out of the camp. 
That's very like, generous of the Germans to allow them to get out. Yeah, yeah but they can they cannot move to another city, but they can stay in the city where okay. they are. And yes, of course, very generous. And and then <laughs> we start talking to them in Arabic, and they see me the way I look talking in Arabic. They get so excited. Keep uh, Yeah, you know, salamu alaikum ya. And you know, <laughs> and, and you know, when we speak Arabic, both my wife and I, and and we become friends. And I tell them I want to see. I tell them I'm from the media, and I want to see how you live inside. And they are very excited to do that. Now the question is, how do I get inside? Mm-hmm. So I say to them, you go to the security, we'll work together, and you tell the security people. Every time I, s- I come up with a different story, but we make it up, and then we say, okay, tell the security that I am the uncle <laughs> from Aleppo. <laughs> She's my wife. Yeah. And the, uh, the sound man, the listeners can't see they you, are but the you children. don't look like an uncle from Aleppo. <laughs> and <laughs> the, and <laughs> they are the children. The sound men and the cameramen <laughs> are, are your the children. <laughs> it's the family just just arrived family from Aleppo. Family reunion. It's family Exactly. <laughs> then you go there, you know, and you say to them, and, and of course, you have to be politically correct, and you can say, is he an Arab? <laughs> You're not allowed to say that, because that's called be viewed as racist. Yeah, because you're blonde. Uh, you cannot say, don't say that word. Okay, That's I'm racist sorry. by itself. I'm sorry. It's like I'm saying sorry. to a black person, you have black hair. You cannot say that. I have not seen how you look. I I don't know. I mean, it's like, you say from Aleppo, you must be from Aleppo. I mean, it's like, I can say I'm Egyptian and they will accept it because <laughs> it's racist not to accept, right? Yeah. We are talking about Germany, right? It, Maybe so you <laughs> suffer from a rare disease that made you... Shh, don't say that. That's <laughs> even more racist. So, so we are walking in, you know, and once we are in, we so they let you in. They let us in, and then we see what's happening. What did you see? Oh, that's frightening. What's what you see inside? I mean, for, I'll start with the first one. In like, where was, was it exactly? Can you tell us what city? Quite a few, quite a few of them. Okay. In Germany, in many cities. The first one, for example, and that would be the same almost in every other city in the big camps, because there are small camps and big camps. The big camps, there are thousands of people there, and it's a temple of. It used to be an airport in the Berlin. Nazi time uh, in Berlin. Yeah. It used to be an airport. It was a Nazi-style airport. It's a Nazi time. And the airport is a massive structure of cement and stone. And all it's that. one of the last uh, Nazi buildings in Berlin. Exactly. And it still exists. Yeah. And it was built to house planes. So there are huge hangars there. It's not function. It's not. Fun. It doesn't. Uh, it's there's nothing park. happening there. It's a park, it's a park now. So now they put there, and then they put in twenty in twenty sixteen. They put a a tent. They, they put like tents inside. Uh-huh. You know, it's like containers with many many rooms. You know, uh-huh. thousands of people, and then you go inside and you see how people live in every room, which is made basically from uh, from plastic or little wood and and sheets and whatever it is, and. Uh, 10 or 12 people in a room, in bunk beds, from ev- every side of the room. The share er- shared area is very small, really, really, really small. Like, there's nothing you can do there. And because we are not racist and we believe in equality, I mean, from a German perspective, yes. the, w- we've put all of them together, the Sunnis, the Shias, the Yazidis, the Christians, all in the same room. So just imagine... You know, you come from the Middle East, you come from we Syria. We understand, yeah. You understand what happens. You know, the guy above you on the bed raped your sister. The guy on the right on the bed... Killed my prophet. Killed, exactly. So all these things together, so it's, it's not very nice, you know. So at nights, for example, there is a routines. It's called the slashing. You know, some people take knives and they slash each other, you know, because you want to kill them. 
you know so i actually saw it i asked him to sh- i didn't believe it and you know and people showed, showed me the, 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 the things the cuts on the bodies i mean it's, it's not it's not a comfortable place and the german now, media talks about i it? was there it was like what 84 degrees outside mm-hmm. there was no air condition to speak of and no fan and no windows it's just it's so hot it's like a sauna and then they took me around to see how they live no toilet as a door no toilet as a toilet paper everything is broken in the rooms you see there are like faucets supposed to be co- not in the room in the area shared some shared area outside of the rooms they went over a series of faucets was supposed to come water out of them no water coming out the food i only give to a dog really and not to a dog i tasted it and you see some like in the containers of the food plastic wrapped didn't even open maybe they, they found it in the basement of the nazi building you know <laughs> from the be, from the world war that's so the, that's, that's the way it tasted i mean i'm not i'm not kidding it's really horrible conditions so who's and i can say to you that this you know some people that it's supposed to be that this camp supposed to be for just for the beginning you come you go there for a week or two months then we find a place for you but some people there live for months and months and months some live for over a year year and a half and who knows for how long more yeah and and so are you now but now of course you are going to finally they're going to put them in some private places but the way they have been treated for this year or two will shape the future will shape the future because they have been really dehumanized there Mm -hmm. the way they've been treated it's it's like unbelievable unbelievable so are you trying to promote with this book and i saw and i saw them and, I, and they talked to me and they said i'll just answer you the question mm-hmm. and they say every time every refugee campaign you went to some of it's like really horrible thing for just from hygiene i mean i went to an refugee camp and they opened the, the faucet for me mm-hmm. water came out from that faucet and it was yellow water and they just asked me they just wanted to know is this the normal water the germans drink mm-hmm. what am i going to say to them what am i going to say to them Eitan, go. You know what so, I'm are you, uh, what I'm trying to understand is, are you trying to promote some kind of agenda with the book, or you is your idea just to to expose what's happening in the camps? I am never into agenda. I'm, okay. I'm not, you know, I'm very interested in politics, but I myself, I don't run for any office, uh-huh. and and I don't even vote. You know, I'm not a right winger. I'm not a left winger. I'm not a centrist. Uh-huh. I believe maybe it's naive, but I believe that's exact exactly what they said. You see something, you write something. You know, mm-hmm. you have to, you, I got an assignment. I agree to accept the assignments. It's a free country. I agreed. They pay me for this, you know, and I write whatever I see. And, and exactly. there is no other way of doing it. So it's just about this revealing is the truth. This is revealing the truth. I mean, it's like, and, and this reveals two things. For example, if you ask me about this particular thing about the refugees, it has two things in it. <coughs> First of all, if they turn to become jihadist or whatever, I'm the first one who will understand why they are doing it. After you have been dehumanized for so long, you come out and say, I want to kill you all. <laughs> so that's number one. Number mm-hmm. two, it also reveals on the other side, you know, the, the ones who call themselves liberal, the ones who call themselves Germany now, pride yourself to be the most humane country in the world. Well, you are humane and very nice as long as the TV lenses, TV cameras are, are on. on. The moment they are off, inside the refugee camps where the media cannot go in, the people you are supposed to help and rescue, you treat them as insects. Mm-hmm. 
I mean, it's so like, where are, what are where, you? What are you? It's like this liberal approach showed itself to be totally unlovable. Where is the German media? Where are the Germans, the humanists of Berlin, the Israelis who live in Berlin and they're for humans? Where else. are I mean, they, everyone? It's all political. I mean, I mean, German media today, and it applies to many media in the West also, there's no more journalism, as I see it. There is activism. They report what fits their ideological schedule and their ideological goals. They don't report what's... They don't believe you see something, you write something. They mm -hmm. don't believe in it. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, because I'm saying to myself, why am I with so little resources? I mean, I have a lot of resources as, as you know, as one writer unit, but in comparison to German TV, in comparison to German media, the big media, <coughs> sorry, you have millions upon millions of public money to work with. Yes. How come they don't report this? What and I'm answer? going from one because if they report that, it's going to go against their own wishes. They want to present themselves. Why is Germany doing it? This is the other part in the book, in a law refugee, a refugees book. Interviews with many German politicians from the extreme right to the extreme left, mm -hmm. plus the people on the street and asking them why is it that Germany opened its doors to more refugees than any other European country? And the answer is Geschichte, history. We have behaved, we behaved very badly last century. We killed Jews, almost killed them all, mm -hmm. and some others. And now we accept people. We help people. But the, and, and, the point is is, and the point is we want to show the people how good we are. Yeah. We want to yeah. show the pe this is what people say to me. We want to show the people that we are that we so na we are so unracist, we are so not racist because yeah. we are better than anybody, which is very interesting because an oxymoron statement. We are not racist, we are just better than anybody. I mean that's racism by itself, right. but let's forget that. And then they tell me it's like to my face, you don't know I'm Jewish. And they say, you know what? We are the best nation in the world. Unlike the oh. Jews who are inhumane. Yeah, it's, it's frightening to listen. To. But it's they are so so anti-Semitic that in the middle of all this, and you know what I can tell you, and you'll see it in the book, interviewing people from Syria, from Iraq, one day with the Arabs, one day with the Germans, you know, yeah. and what do I find? Who comes up with the most anti-Semitic statement from nowhere? The Germans, not the Syrians. It's frightening to think about it. That the people are supposed to be the most enlightened, the most liberal. So the are Germans actually racist to the core. So you're saying the Germans didn't change? Definitely not. I live there. I know it. Let's, uh, Eitan, let's talk about the, the, the United States book. Okay. Oh, it's, it's, the news is not very, very happy over there in the United States. I mean, this is like one of the things that surprised me the most in America. When I took the book about America, which is I called, took this and uh, The Lies They Tell. The Lies They Tell. All these books are available in English, by the way, on yeah, Amazon. Exactly. Why, I wanted to ask you why you choose to put this stuff in the books. I mean, if you film everything, why not make uh, movies? Why not make a documentary? Because the ones who pay me are publishers. Oh. You know? <laughs> but I'm sure if you publics. have all this footage, you could find someone who would uh, produce it, no? If you, if you find it, you know, I, I could not find it up to now. I think you I know, found I would, it. I would be very, I'd be very happy to do that. But it's a big budget to do it. You know, it's yeah. like, you know, you have to okay, do Okay, never it. mind. You, you need more than <laughs> one camera. You need all that. And yeah. if... if 
you know yeah because i just i, I wonder because i think I would movies love to do are more are I more palatable for people i have to do it i love to do it i mean we yeah. do we do our movies but the movies that we do are, are for the purpose of preserving you know the things that you know that we know yeah. it's true but it's not like shot from from film style so tell us know? about your journey in america please How the journey in America it? is the same thing. The journey in America, it was not my idea. All the books are not my ideas. They are ideas of my publisher in Germany. And when I started, I thought I'm, I would be writing a book of praise and glory to America. because You America, live in America? I, I live in America. America has been good to me. I live in Manhattan. I made my studies. I spent nine years in university. So I, I founded the Jewish Theater of New York. And when I came to America, I came with $400 to my name. So... I wanted to write a good book about America, but it turned out that the America that I thought is America is in my brain only, in my mind, not in reality. Traveling in America in 28 states plus Washington, D.C. with a car and not on the highways, but far from the highways. Far from the highways. And traveling all the states and interviewing so many people and what I found in America was m- mind-boggling and it was shocking. I never knew that America is so racist the way I found it. I went to, to black ghettos and what I saw there is almost indescribable. The darkness, the, 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 the fatal, fatalism, the, 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 the poverty level the lack of education, and you just walk on the street, and in every ghetto, in every hood I went to, it's like at some point or the other, people would say to me, hey man, in the first few minutes, a black guy or a black girl would come and say, mostly guy, say, hey man, what are you doing here? I said, what's your problem? <laughs> and they would say, you're white. You're a white man. I said, yes, I know. Thank you for telling me. What's that problem? <laughs> And they would say, I've never seen a white man here. Never in my life. Why are you here? So I said, I'm German, journalist. And then they introduced me to their lives. We talked a little bit more, gained their trust, and then they introduced me to their lives. Which, how, what kind of a life is it? <sighs> you see that corner? So my bro, two days ago, got shot. He's that corner. My sis got shot. Every year you walk here, we get shot. And we shoot. And my man, you look to me like a good man. If you want to be in the neighborhood, don't look people in the eye. Because if you look people in the eye, and he, doesn't like the way, and he don't like the way you look at him, he's going to shoot you. That's life. For example... And it's gangs. We are with... Uh, with Tattoos. Two, no, we are this one, blue shirts, and they are the red uh-huh. shirts. You know, gang. Everything is gangs, everything. And then people... It's like I met people who, who have been shot at. It's like frightening. And, and it's like... I'll never forget, like, at the entrance to, to the Chicago hood, Englewood. We took a bus. So leave the car, leave the car. That's the bus. scene I, I, ke- I keep remembering from the book. Yes. Oh, you read the book? I, yeah. r- I read it. And, yes. and it's like frightening just to see it. I mean, you take the bus and, and it's a black bus. You know, it's like everybody black. And the last stop, trying to get, ho- to get off the bus. 
Han er dreng, hvor du kan smage slag. <laughs> Who are you going med? <laughs> getting off. No, you ain't getting off here. It ain't good place. <laughs> you stay with me, boss. When I make it my other turn, when I get out of here. <laughs> and another scene I can't forget. And then, and then just a second. Yes. And then it's just like, start on the walk. And then this car comes in, you know, off-white car. Two men are inside, which are lots of ammunition. <laughs> and they say, don't, don't, what are you doing here? Sir. Turns out this is police, and make a long story short, and they tell me this is not a neighborhood, sir. This is a shooting range. In please, Chicago? In Chicago. Please leave. And that's the neighborhood, by the way. Those are the very same people who put Barack Obama in the office in the first place. Mm-hmm. To clean the neighborhood. To clean the neighborhood. In, in whose name he ran for office as a senator in Illinois, a state senator in Illinois. They are the ones who first voted for him to office, mm-hmm. for political elected office. What could he have done? You know what? It's not my problem. If you cannot do it, then don't run for president. Right. You run for president and you said, I'm going to improve your lot. I'm going to make your life better. I'm going to clean the neighborhood. I'm going to make it good. And that's why you have been voted for. If you don't know how to do it, leave the job to others. I don't know how to do it. That's why I'm a journalist. I know I how to you. be a journalist. If I know how to clean it, Maybe I would have done it. But one thing f- for sure, I would not use the bad luck of these people to get myself a seat in the White House and live very nicely and be a president and in eight years do nothing for those people. And this is what those people tell me. Mm-hmm. He's done nothing for us. What years were you there? What years were, were you uh, traveling uh, around uh, writing the book? Twenty. 20, what is this? Uh, 16, no? 15, 16. 15, 16, yeah. Ah, 2015-16. Yeah. So right around the end of his presidency. Yeah, the last year. Wow. Another scene I cannot forget is when you go to Hawaii. Oh, God, yeah. Right? That was sad. Can you, can you describe what you saw in Hawaii, which is where Obama was born? So Yeah, that was, for, for me, it was frightening. I mean, Hawaii is a... It's a beautiful, supposedly beautiful state. I mean, annexed by the United States illegally, by the, by the way. Even the Congress admitted it. But <laughs> let's leave that. It's an occupied you know, territory. It, it is actually an occupied territory. I mean, it's like, if you compare as it... As is New Mexico. As, as many things, you know, and it's more occupied territory than the West Bank here, or whatever you want to call it, West Bank, Judea and Samaria. It's, it's yeah. occupied, occupied. But let's leave it aside. But let's leave that <laughs> politics aside, you know, and let's not talk about that <laughs> politics. You know, and... and it's a place where it's a very expensive place to, to go to visit. And everything is very expensive there. And there's a lot of rich people there. And, and you have all these type hotels. You know, it's like unbelievable hotels, unbelievable this, and shopping areas. And then one day, somebody, people who live there, and he said to me, do you really want to know why? Do you want me to show you the real why? And I said, yes. I said, come along. And then he shows me. The real Hawaii. And in the real Hawaii, he showed me one of the camps, the encampments. All homeless people, hundreds and hundreds of them. Old people who can, never, who can hardly walk, or people like just, just born, just starting to walk, children, babies, making the first steps. No home. And then you see it, no home. And then you see how they live. In a frightening way. And from time to time, the police would come and do what they call sweep. They come with, with police cars, and they would push the people and their camps. 
back inside, you know, so the tourists will not see them. And they push them like to push like like garbage. Like, you know, like dead bodies, like dead dogs. No respect for human beings. And it's frightening to see what's going on over there. You'll see it in the book, the whole yeah, the stories about the one describing it, you know, describing the book, you'll see the details, and it's just frightening to see. And to know that that state, Hawaii, is basically all Democrat. Mm-hmm. You cannot blame the Republican for that. You know, it's all Democrat. Mayor Democrat, senators Democrats, mm-hmm. congressmen Democrats, governor, every, everybody, it's all Democratic regime. So I know and you the one God they have is money. If you don't have money, yeah. you get nothing. So I know you want to cl- steer clear of politics, but uh, do you think there's, because you're speaking about you know, how Obama neglected it and the Democrats neglect uh, those communities and there's this, uh, this widespread poverty. Do you see any salvation in uh, Donald Trump? No. 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 I don't think they're better. I mean, it's like, I mean, before Barack Obama, there was George Bush that was a Republican. Mm-hmm. And did they care about Hawaii? Did they care about those people? There are, you've seen the book, how many homeless people are there. It's like amazing. I mean, what I'm saying is that neither the Democrats nor the Republicans care, you know. So but the Republicans at least say, you know, they are into capitalism. You know, you are poor. It's your problem. It's your problem, mm-hmm. you know. The Democrats want to fix they, it. They are not at least hypocritical. They are not saying, you know, mm-hmm. I'm running here to fix 12 poor people. The Democrats say that we are running to fix 12 people, 12, you know, 12 poor people. And, and this is just a lie. So, so as a person, as a human being, I'm much more pissed off at the Democrats than the Republicans, you know, because the Democrats lead me to believe they are going to take care of it, try to convince me, and I only believe them. But when they get power, when they, they get they succeed and, and, and they become whatever they are, governor, senator, democrat, in, you know, president, they do nothing. In a certain way, I so, mean, Trump is capitalizing in that way on, the, you know, the poor and the weak. I mean, it's a different demographic of poor and weak, but he, you know, coming up in his campaign, he was always saying, you know, I'm going to make America great again. The idea that he's going to improve their lives was I mean, still well, there. The problem with, 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 with the problem with Donald Trump is you don't know what he thinks, you don't know what he means. He says a lot of things. Everything he promised. Look at it. His agenda in foreign affairs. Everything he promised before the election is after the election. He went back on it 180 degrees. Yeah. If it's China one policy, if it's moving the embassy here in Israel now, moving the embassy from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem, he ain't moving nothing. Mm-hmm. You know. And and every EU, what he said before the election, what he says after the election. I mean, he's basically. He says, "Make America great again." He said, "America first. Mm-hmm. You know, which meant, you know, as, as he explained it, you know, we are not going to get involved in foreign affairs. We are not going to spend money overseas, you know, helping people and fighting for people and spend our, you know, trillions of dollars. And we are done with that. Guess what? He's a president. Now he's, he's basically continues basically everything Obama did. I mean, it's mm-hmm. like he's in Afghanistan. Well, yeah. China won policy. I mean, it's like... From foreign, from, from foreign affairs, there is no difference between him and, and Barack Obama. And what about anti-Semitism in, when you, in your journey in America? Did well, there's a lot of anti-Semitism that I saw, I mean, like, especially on the left. I mean, we all know, I mean, I have been in touch with the, what you call today alt-right, with the extreme right-wingers. I have been in touch with them for 20 years ago already. I know of their existence. I have been talking to them or yeah. with them. And I'm not, no, those swastika loving, I'm not talking about them. 
they are very minor. I mean, their number is very small and they are not very effective, you know. It takes a lot of them to make a demonstration. They have to connect, drive from all kinds of states to come together to make it. Their numbers are low. I mean, the, the real anti-Semitism is in the universities, is on the left. It used to be the other way around. It used to be that the right was anti-Jewish and the left was pro-Jewish or pro-Semite, whatever you want to call it, philo-Semitic, whatever you want to call it. Now it's the, the exact opposite now. I mean, it's like at least on the left, at least one p p part of it in on the left is becoming anti-Semitic, increasingly anti-Semitic, not just anti-Israel, but anti-Semitic. I mean, this is in the universities and interviewing with universities, and interviewing with professors, and interviewing whatever, some of it in the book, and if you read it, you, you, you'll see it, I mean, if you read it, you'll see it, which is frightening to me, what happens in America. America is moving towards, mindset-wise, towards the anti-Semitic Europe, and there is a big difference between the older generations, who are especially in, you know, red states, you know, Republican states, you know, conservative states, like Montana or North Dakota, for example, or the, the parents love Israel and the children are already saying free Palestine. Mm -hmm. You know, when you ask the children where, free, where is Palestine, they have no clue where Palestine is. So you think Jews have future in America? <laughs> no. Def definitely not. Definitely not. Then and on top of that, again, it's in the book, and on top of that, you have many Jews, too many outside of the Orthodox world, who are basically too busy in uh, being self-hating. You know, like visiting temples where, where you hear that Israel is apartheid and the, and the Israeli army is SS. I mean, it's like, this is not a nice thing to see. They say these, this, this in, things, in Jewish synagogues in the Jewish United synagogues. States. They don't call it synagogues, they call it temples. The temples. Orthodox call it synagogues, the, the, the conservative and especially the reform call it temples. They love the world better. So why do you think this? Uh, why do you think that this anti-Semitism is propagating in American campuses? What do you think it it's, stems it's from? It's the same thing. It's you know we live in the you know, we live in an open world, globalized world. You know and, and and Europe and America influencing each other. You know I mean America influencing Europe in all these health and wellness things. You know it's like no smoking. Marijuana, yes, tobacco, no, don't ask me what's the, the logic behind it, but, you know, it's like everything you know smoking in America, you know, now everything you know smoking comes to Europe. And from Europe is the whole good anti-Semitic mood and That spirit. we know and love. Is that we know and love, but and now it's coming to America. You know, it's, it's double influences. You know? But why did it catch hold in the campuses? The campuses, you know, historically are supposed to be places that promote free speech, that battle the norm, the mainstream. This is a very good question, but this is the reality. The reality is today, in the so-called liberal world, you know, we have free speech as long as you say what I say. That's mm -hmm. the motto. That's what it is. I mean, you can see it. I mean, you cannot allow conservatives, you cannot, cannot speak anymore in, in universities today, yeah. like in UC Berkeley or whatever, you know, no, no, places like that. Conservatives are not allowed to speak anymore. Yeah. And not only in Israel, all over, Cali all, all over Florida, you know, I mean, all over California, you know, in universities, basically, if you don't think the same thing, but it, it happens also in Hillel. You know, the, this Jewish student organization, you know, they invite people only if they are leftists. And, and there goes and the sponsorship from Hillel. And in, uh, exactly. <laughs> and, and if they invite from Israel, I, I look at the list one time, I was in Stanford University, I went to Hillel, and only they invite from Israel if it's together Arab and Jew. 
You know, so you have to bring a Palestinian with you if you yeah. want to be, be speaking about that or whatever, making an event, music, whatever. So I mean, it's like, where have we arrived? You know, I mean, yeah. this is what they tell me. I don't know. I did, I so did not go. I did not follow their their schedule. What is what they tell me? So at least there, do you see some kind of positive change coming from Trump in the sense that he's promoting <sighs> this kind of anti-PC? Because you seem kind of also anti-PC. I mean, I mean, yes. It seems that he had an NPC, but but then he changes everything. Look, he's firing everybody who came with him. Yeah. He's firing everybody who championed the idea of NPC, and looks like he's putting like more Steve Bannon, for example. So you saw Steve Bannon as a positive figure in the administration. I mean, that's what he ran for. Yeah. I mean, that was positive from that level. I, I, I heard about being anti-Semitic, but this is bullshit. I mean, I mean. I'm not a Breitbart maven, but you know, once they pointed to Breitbart, all kinds of articles to show that it's anti-Semitic, I, I did it very s- the simplest thing. I went on the site of Breitbart and, and I read those articles, and and they were <laughs> as far as could be from anti-Semitic to another. I mean, it's like yeah. I'm not I'm not a maven on Breitbart, you know, I'm not a I, I'm not a day-to-day reader of Breitbart, but once they point to some articles that were anti-Semitic, and you go to Breitbart site and you see it's like. Exactly the opposite, actually. Breitbart is very strong supporter of Israel. So, but those articles were not anti-Semitic at all. Yeah. Can you give us some something hopeful, Tuvia? What brings you hope what in your journey? What brings you hope? Bring hope for the Jews. Yes. For the, for the Jews of America, for example, or Germany. For example, yeah. Okay. The 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 most hopeful thing I can tell you, if you really want to be happy and and and, and hopeful, in every city at least big city in America and in Germany, there is an airport. And there are airplanes there that can fly to Israel and bring you there between five hours to ten, to, to ten hours, you will be in Israel. And you love it here. And, and it's not about me loving it. The future of the Jews is here. The future of the Jews is not there. So why are you living in the States? I'm living all over. I'm not just living in the States. I live, okay. in the States. I live there, I live here, I'm in Israel. I, li- I, I travel, Japan. Whatever I'm, a, I'm the, the the old Jew, you know, the, the yeah. biblical Jew, the nomadic, the, the Jew. nomadic Jew. I'm, <laughs> st- I'm still trying to to sense what's going on in the world, trying to feel, you know. But yeah, I'm the Lech Lecha, the Jew of Lech Lecha, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The first thing, the first and commandment, I, the first commandment. I'm not a religious person, but so I pick and choose the the the, the mitzvot I like. Yeah. So the first commandment of God for Abraham, what is it? Lech Lecha. Lech Lecha. Get out of your land. It's, no, but by, by the end of the day, I say to everybody, I mean, it's like I think that Israelis don't know how good they got it. I could say I have it. I mean, the food here, the atmosphere here. The just for the food, you, it's worth just for the back. Fu- just for the food, it was. <laughs> Not even come back, just even if you've never been here, just come here and just, just come and taste it. And, and here you can be a Jew, on any kind of a Jew you want, and, and nobody's going to put a finger, and nobody's going to put you down, you know, of being Jewish. You know, I mean, this is like amazing. This is, there is only one Jewish state. Someone may put a pinky in your, but not the whole finger. Yeah. But you know what I'm saying? Yeah, but, but still, it's, but still the, the tribal thing, even of the left of the left, they are still part of the tribe. Tel Aviv is still That's part true. of the tribe. That's true. As yeah. much as you don't want, as much as a We're all brothers. They can be self-hating as much as you want. They can call her it's where I live now in Rochelle Street, you know, you know, Strot Avenue, whatever you call it, you know, and you know the people I talk to, they say that Haaretz is too right for them, <laughs> which is like to me it's a ridiculous notion, but you know, but 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 still, yeah, they are here, they speak Hebrew. It's true. They so speak the language. They speak. They speak. I am here all the time, in and out. I'm, I'm yeah, but I'm saying, you know, settle. finally settling down, you know. These things only God knows. I want to uh, emphasize something. If you got too depressed from this conversation, that the books <laughs> are very funny. 
They are funny as hell, and they are very witty and well written. So you gotta you gotta check them out, and they are all available on Amazon on Kindle, I think too. Yeah. And the new book is called "Hello Refugees!" Exclamation mark. And it's out when now? It's already out this week. It's out this week. Congratulations. Thank you very much. And I'm speechless. Thank you. What can I say? Before we. Before we go, we have two collaborations, one with the Jewish Journal of Greater Los Angeles and the second with the Facebook group that's called Secret Tel Aviv. It's a, it's a Facebook group of 160,000 people, English speakers who live here in Tel Aviv. Who ran away from that anti-Semitism. Yes, they okay. took the first plane and they talk about the best food here, the best things you can do in the weekend. And it's a great Facebook group and a website, which you should check out. Tuvia, it's, it's been a pleasure. It's been a pleasure being Finally, with you. Finally, you came. I wanted to have you... For so long, finally it happened. Thank and you. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be with you. You are really cool. Thank you. Cool guys. Good luck. Bye. Thank Mr. you. Vin.